Mosaic believes that the church is designed to be a genuine community of people, creating a safe space of belonging for all, seeking to serve our neighbors with the compassion of God, providing opportunities to learn to be more like Jesus, and living life well together. This can't happen in a one-hour time slot on Sunday mornings, yet we desire to be a worshiping, missional community in Clayton, North Carolina. Visit MosaicClayton.com or find us on Facebook, Mosaic Church of Clayton. Well, thank you, Praise Team, for leading us in worship. If you ever get bored and you want to just search the internet for something weird, you can look for last meal requests from death row inmates. Some people have made it their business to catalog those things. It's kind of morbid, really. But maybe part of the fascination with last meal requests is that very few people in this life get to choose the last thing they eat before dying. Uh, Death often comes before you expect it and before you prepare for it. Uh, You know, I'm wondering even now uh, what immediately pops into your mind as maybe the last thing you'd want to eat on this earth. Uh, I can think of a few things that I wouldn't want to eat as my last meal on this earth, but uh, there are a number of things I'd probably like to eat. Velma Barfield, executed in 1984 in the North Carolina Central Prison for murder of her boyfriend, requested cheese doodles and Coca-Cola. Gary Heinrich, arrested for murder back in 1988, requested his last meal as two slices of pizza and two cups of coffee before he's put to death. Alan Davis from Florida, who at 350 pounds was called Tiny, requested back in 1999 a lobster tail, fried potatoes, half pound of shrimp, fried clams, garlic bread, and 32 ounces of root beer. Florida has a $40 limit on your last meal requests. Oklahoma will only spend up to $15, and after 2011, uh, Texas no longer takes last meal requests. Uh, But other last meal requests are are more predictable. Fried chicken, hamburger steak, banana pudding. And as you look through that list and you think about it, uh, you'd have to count most of those requests that people made as comfort food. Facing death, most people want comfort food. Maybe that's the first thing you thought of when I said, well, what would you choose as your last meal? It's the things that they ate as children, that they associate with home, with safety, with good memories. What food brings you comfort? What food speaks of home to you? What smells and tastes remind you of your your mom or your grandmother uh, and those pleasant memories of childhood? The night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with his disciples. We heard Michael read that story to us at the beginning of worship. And and the meal that they shared was a traditional Jewish meal, the Passover meal. uh, One that Jesus and his disciples had been eating since they could sit at a table and chew food. It's also called the Paschal meal or the Seder. The traditional Passover meal was a 
comforting, homey kind of meal. It was lamb and vegetables, a hard-boiled egg, bitter herbs, matzah bread, and wine. Together in our fellowship, we memorialize this meal with the symbolic elements, the cup and the bread. For us Christians, we offer the food that we offer at this table of communion should be comfort food. It should carry for us deep and long memories. It should evoke images and thoughts of old, of Christ and his saving work. The bread speaks to our hearts of the body of Jesus broken for us. And the cup is to remind us of his saving blood poured out for us. Comfort indeed. So the bread and the cup that we're going to partake of a little later this morning are comfort food. But it calls us to look back at what Christ did. But in the same way, it also calls us to look forward to what will be. As much as it remembers what happened, it also anticipates what will happen. As we eat together, we anticipate a heavenly banquet, as we sometimes call it. And I want to read to you from Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. And I think we've got the verse up here on the screen. Um, Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. Here we have a vision of a heavenly banquet. It's just hinted at here in Isaiah. Isaiah anticipates a day when the thirsty will receive something to drink and the hungry will get food to satisfy the stomach and the soul. Food and drink that will not cost, that will not be labored for, but that will come free and unexpected and as a pure gift of God's grace. The food, Isaiah tells us, will be a rich and delightful fare. How will this come? When will it come? I, I don't know uh, about other denominations in, in other parts of the country, but uh, for, for people of the Baptist tradition, and, and certainly people from the southern part of the United States, we know that there will be food in heaven. <laughs> Whatever else there will be, uh, we anticipate something to eat. There will be a buffet, a table to eat at, the fellowship of the fork. There will be glasses to clink. There will be laughter and cheers and second helpings. Everyone will get their fill of this hearty fare of the Lord. That's part of what it means to be in heaven is that we eat 
And so even here on earth, then we anticipate that with our different fellowship meals that we have as a mosaic community together, uh, the different times when we get together and share food. In that sense, we're already sharing heaven. We're sharing what will be someday. This morning, we have, again, a memorial meal, a, a just a symbolic meal, really, uh, this morning. It, it won't fill you up this morning. It's just a taste of what is to be. The early church fathers often quoted Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, as a fitting kind of statement about communion, about this meal that we're going to partake this morning. Uh, they would quote Song of Solomon, He has brought me to his banqueting table, and his banner over me is love. As kids, we used to sing a song that was taken from that verse. He's brought me to his banqueting table, and his banner over me is love. That's a fitting a statement about what we have here. He has brought us together to his banqueting table and his banner over us. What he has pronounced over this meal and over us in our lives and our fellowship is love. As a kid, uh, I... I and my, my sister and my brother often spent uh, summers at our grandparents at the, their lake house or their lake place in uh, central Texas. They lived just out of, outside of Austin on Lake Travis. And we would spend our days there um, splashing in the water and running around the yard, making up adventures on the screened-in porch. Uh, and every now and then, uh, granddaddy would drive us into town for some purpose, and we would pass the county line. It's a famous restaurant there in the area, uh, known for its all-you-can-eat ribs and barbecue. And Granddad would, would always point to it as we drove by, and he called me Ace, so he'd say, Ace, uh, when you get a little older, we're gonna stop there, and we're gonna eat ribs. All you can eat. But I'm not wasting my money on you knuckleheads yet. <laughs> They'd keep driving. Uh, Granddaddy was from the Depression era. He was a Depression era child. And he knew the value of a dollar. And I guess he was concerned that my brother and sister and I just wouldn't get our money's worth if we stopped as kids to eat there. Maybe someday, but you know, he just was concerned we wouldn't actually you know, get the money's worth out of stopping and eating at ribs and barbecue at the county line. I'm kind of reminded of uh, the comedian Jim Gaffigan who says he's always confused by the all-you-can-eat signs at buffets. And Gaffigan says, you know, I never know if it's an invitation, a dare, a contest, an order. You know, is it all you can eat? All you you can eat, all you can eat, or all you can eat. Uh, you know what, what? What is meant by that? For for Granddad, though, it was it was definitely a a command. Uh, that we were supposed to eat all we can eat uh, if we went there. So I guess in my mind, as a kid, uh, the county line restaurant and barbecue might as well have been the great heavenly banquet. It was the promise of something fulfilling and delicious, but just always out of reach. <laughs> we were just never stopping there. And that's why we say that this morning, the banquet that we partake of together, it's just a foretaste 
It's just a, a, a teaser for something else to come. It's a meager sample of what will be. The truth is, of course, this morning, uh, you won't get enough. You have just a small bite of bread, just a small taste of the juice. You'll go away hungry. And I think that's important as well. That one day, you will have all you can eat. That one day, we will sit at that table together of the Lord. And it will never run out. And we'll realize that His banner over us is love. And that in Him, all things come together. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will our cup be. So we're treating this table here this morning like a family meal. All are welcome. All are invited. If you've come this morning, you are also welcome to this table. So as we transition into this time, though, it is important that our hearts are prepared, that we are made ready in some way. The Bible suggests that as you prepare to partake of this meal that is a last meal, but it's also the first of an eternal meal, suggests that we look inside of our hearts. And as 1 Corinthians says, that we do not partake of it unworthily. That we make sure that we come with a clean heart. With a, a heart that's ready to receive. So if you will, we are going to enter in just a, a time of, of confession, a time of, of reflection, of introspection. I'm going to lead us in prayer and... I want you to use this time to get off of your chest and under the Lord what needs to be get what needs to be removed, what needs to be cleaned, what needs to be scraped away, what needs to be washed out. This is our time to come clean before the Lord. Uh, will you enter with me into prayer? Lord, we are humble and humbled by your grace. We know, though, that we're not humble enough, that we always like to reserve a piece of our own pride, a piece of our own arrogance, a piece of our own selfishness. It's hard not to look out for number one. But Jesus showed us a way to lay down our lives for our friends. And to do unto others as we would have them do unto other, us. We know that we can't do this naturally. We need your grace. We need your spirit to help us. And first of all, we need to confess our sins. Confess those doubts. Confess those errors and, and those selfish acts. And those selfish thoughts. Lord, we need to come to this table clean. And we realize that only you can wash away 
what stains us. Lord, pray now that you would look into our hearts. You would see our intentions. And that you would cleanse us from all wrong. Whether it's personal, whether it's family, whether it's social, whether it's work-related. Lord, clear our hearts. Make us a clean vessel in your sight. Make us acceptable before you. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen.